You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. by Hibbs only as far as Oda left foot shot goal it's Yutaro Oda with a left foot drilled effort into the bottom right corner hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club and now the Lawrence Shanklin number one fan club as well I am Laurie Dunsire, leader of the Lawrence Shankland fan club, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. You didn't even have him in the bloody team. <laughs> so I don't remember saying. that. Can I, oh, I, I, can, I, I, I can edit that out from last time, surely. No, no you can Between, <laughs> honestly, between you and Scott, oh, I'm no, I'm no point coming to everyone. I'll play Toby Subic. That's not how Scott speaks. I'm sorry, Scott. Um, but he'd have he was dropping Cammy Devlin and you were dropping Lawrence Shanklin. Jesus, who are we bringing I, back? Like Neil I don't Betty think I had Cammy Devlin in my starting eleven either. To be fair, well, that's why we <laughs> do what we do, and that's why they do what they do, and they pick the team. And they hasn't it been great the last couple of games? Been really, really. It's been enjoyable. Yeah, it's been all right. Yeah, Not and, and I read read Barry Anderson's uh, does a piece for an Australian website or newspaper, and he was saying that he'd been going and covering Hearts since two thousand and two, and that's the loudest that he had heard it, and my, my last game was 2010, and there was loads of noises before that. But in those eight years um, prior to me leaving to, to when Barry started in 2002, that's some claim that's the loudest for, for 21 years. And it was just, it was magnificent. It was brilliant. Um, loved watching it, but obviously you two were there, and um, I'm sure we'll mention that, but focus today's on a, a preview for, for the next round. Uh, yes, you say you too. Um, not the band; they were not there. However, not. Here's Bottle on the <laughs> edge. <laughs> but we, we, there are three of us today. We are delighted to be joined by a returning guest, uh, Chief Exec of Big Hearts, the charity of Hearts, and of course, a Big Hearts fan as well. How are you doing, Craig Wilson? I am good, guys. Thank you for thank you for having me on at a, at a lovely time where it's it's nice and straightforward to talk about two two fantastic victories as well. So no, I'm delighted to be on. Um, great to be with you. And how did you rate the the decibel levels of Tynecastle last Thursday yeah. night? I was it was amazing. To be fair, I thought the atmosphere was was fantastic. I thought the even in that middle bit of the second half where there was a bit of a lull. I think the Gorgi Ultras did a brilliant job um, of kind of keeping us going, taking it over, and Tynecastle obviously came to life. But I think it did all the things that probably heard you guys talking about in advance in terms of you know the fans sticking with it and the players giving us some encouragement despite the fact 
we were a goal down um, pretty quickly. There was still a feeling that it still had that feel. Um, and I think that, as I say, full credit to, to everybody that was there. It was amazing. Um, that that final moment where Cammy's deflected shot finds its way in was, was yeah, it's one I think we'll all remember in terms of big European nights at Tynecastle. Was fantastic, and we will get into um, another big European night that's coming up for Hearts. We will talk as well about the game that just passed, the game against Partick Thistle in the League Cup, via Play Cup. Uh, but before we carry on with that, I should address the thing that I'm jesting about early on. We got a, an email from Rory Cunningham who says, Hi guys, firstly I'm a huge fan and listening to the podcast weekly not only connects me with Hearts fans but also makes me realise I'm not the only one with these frustrations. I'm a huge admirer of your work and everything you do for the Hearts community, so thank you. There's always a but, isn't there, with an email like this. You open with all that praise, it's going to be a but. But... Please can we address the outrageous shout from last week's podcast when an unnamed host gave his lineup and it didn't contain Shankland. <laughs> I could list the reasons why Shankland could start, but we all know these already. Quite possibly the worst shout ever from a Hearts fan regarding a lineup. Uh, he did put a question mark at the end of that, but I feel like he was making a statement rather than asking a question. Um, please discuss as long as Shankland is at our club, he plays. Keep up the good work, guys. Rory. Thank you for your email, Rory. I appreciate that. And look, I, I I was I was gonna own this anyway, um, after Thursday night. I was very I don't usually like being wrong, but on this occasion I'm quite pleased to be proven very wrong. I did not put Lawrence Shankland in my lineup. I've been on I've been on Radio Clyde um after Lawrence Shankland to own this as well, by the way. I hadn't realized he was the person on before me, but I won't <laughs> he was. Um, I got asked to come on, so I, like, I had, didn't have a chance to um didn't have a chance to tune in, so I just had a time. So the call came in. I was like, "Okay, quick, answer the call." And then um, the producer just, "Okay, so Laurie, uh, Laurie Shanklin talking just now, sir. You're going to be thrown in, um, maybe with him or just after." I was like, "Oh, great!" Um, thankfully, Lawrence had come off the call, so I didn't have to embarrass myself with him uh, there. But I owned it live on Radio Clyde, and I'll own it now. It was an awful shout, and. Um, for me to suggest that Shanklin shouldn't start has now been proven to be a very ridiculous shout. Um, we, we all get them wrong sometimes, Rory, okay? I apologise. I'm very pleased that Lawrence made me look silly. This is where you want us to go, oh, Laurie, you're such a brave person for coming out and saying... No, that. I was I was, I was, was kind of bracing for the, the, the ripping that you were going to give me as well. No, not at all. No. By the way, you don't have to go back very far to listen to some of the shite I've come out with. I'm, those in, those in glass houses, those in glass houses. Look, we now know you now know if he's fit, he plays. If he's available, he plays. If he's still at Hearts, he plays. I just um, I can't wait for the twenty first of September. Not the not the first of September. I'm not overly fussed about that. I'm I'm more concerned about the the extra twenty days for the Saudis to make moves for. For various players, but I'd love it, really would love it if you still at the football club. Because I think by then, by mid-September, Lauren Shankland will be, if not back to where he was last season, pretty close to it. Because he's getting game time, he got another about minutes at the weekend. Um, I don't know where we'd be without him, honestly. And that, that goal, how many players have we had in a similar position when he got his equaliser against Rosenberg? That there'd be a doubt in our mind when he gets the ball. Oh, I'm not sure. He's... 
with Shankland, you kind of thought, okay, where's he going to put it? Where, which part of the net is he going to is he going to ripple? Isn't that a good feeling as a fan to have a striker like that? Yeah, I think I think I think Scott said it to you, Mark, after the um, the your your uh, podcast after the game on Thursday night. The finish, the angle, and the fact that he still took on that kind of finish the tells one, you yeah. tells you everything you know about him in terms of scoring. He he just knew he was going to score, and yeah. uh, I actually think his all round game in the last couple of games has been has been really good. Um, yeah. yeah, and his touches and stuff have been great, but. Uh, you, you you probably begin to wonder. I didn't think your shout was completely outrageous last week, Laurie. But I, I would, I definitely would have <laughs> started Lawrence. But I think that um, I think the I think the thing you realise is it is easy when the team's perhaps not clicking to to almost think that some of your better players aren't quite at it. But I think Lawrence, to be fair, he's he's continued to keep scoring regardless of whether he's been playing particularly well the rest of his game. And it, it does look like he's he's there now. So um what a player he's been over the last year or so, to be fair. Like oh. he has he has completely surprised I'm sure if you went back and, and um Well Laurie said he was shite when he saw Yeah, him. yeah, so there you go. I mean I, I think I'm okay, I don't think, right. Come on now. Too um, far. <laughs> but what he's a he's a much better player than I think I would probably say the vast majority of the Hearts fans ever thought he was going to be. His all round game is much better. I think we all thought unbelievable goal scorer from his time, you know, with air and and obviously a spell at United. Um but actually he's a much better player than that. And I, I would be I would put my hands up and say I had no idea how good a player he was. And um him, him and Boyce you know you, you don't yeah. want to, you, you don't want to be against that. Um no. and I, I think that's something we 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 will hopefully hold on to in terms of you know opposition teams no liking that. I think it's an interesting case study here because there was a, a couple of Aberdeen fans were weren't really arguing, but they were kind of saying, well, well, we should have kept him. And then the other was like, look, he didn't have that application. And he went to air and, and did better. But he, he, he just, different players need different things. And there's a lot of talented players, a lot of really talented players that maybe didn't fulfill their potential. And that might be an interesting one for homework at Hearts. Um, players that uh, that we had that maybe didn't fulfill their um their potential. Hibbs Hibbs had a couple. I mean Derek Riordan and, and Gary O'Connor could probably have done a heck of a lot more with their career. There's there's one there's one player, um not a Hearts or a Hibbs former player, a guy called Stephen Dobby, who was pretty happy just to play in the championship, scored loads of goals, had a spell at Rangers and but he he, he if he got himself fit and he was his application was fine, he, he could have I know Yankee went down to Swansea. He certainly went down to to um, England or Wales, and did Blackboard okay. Swansea, he, he did yeah. pretty well. But with, with Shankland, we wherever we've got him right now, um, is 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 a is a good spot, or or certainly before the start of the season. I think we're getting him back to that. In that he's he's happy, he's he's fit, um, and he's getting fitter this season as well. Whether it's home comforts, whether it's surroundings, whether it's the captain's armband, whatever it is. It's working with with Lauren Shankland, and okay, at the start of the season, it, it wasn't the Lauren Shankland that we remember, and the fact he was so good last season made it more obvious that because he hadn't reached those heights at the start of the season, he was puggled, as my old grand would say. He hardly had any break, and he was away with Scotland. Came back pre-season training with Hearts a little bit later um, than the rest of the the squad that weren't away on international duty, and maybe his head was turned. 
But I tell you what, regardless, if he stays or if he goes, he's got his head screwed back on, and that's that's total credit to Lauren Shankland right now. I think it's a case often with and I and I'm I'm the same as Craig in terms of I didn't realise just how good an all round player he is before he arrived at Hearts. And I think I've said it before, it's one of those he scored loads of goals in the championship. I didn't watch much of those games. I saw lots of highlight reels and clips of him scoring goals. So you don't get to see all his contribution beyond that. Um, he went to United, obviously, in the championship. When he came to the top flight, we were in the championship. So I didn't see really any of them live. And I think I was we were still all in a bit of a mood um, with the kind of top flight that season. So I, I don't know, you guys, I didn't watch. You know, I found COVID games hard enough to go to and... Um, I didn't watch a lot of the top flight that season. So I didn't see a lot of games, and that was under Mickey Mellon as well, where he was getting shoved out wide and he was playing very deep. They didn't really create any chances for him anyway. So, and then in Belgium, the same, he moved over there and we didn't really see him, and he was apparently playing wing back some games. So if you're not watching players live, you often don't get to understand their full contribution. And I think that is then reflected in. You see fans of other teams last season, you know, talking about Shanklin being just a penalty merchant and that's all he does. And it's like, even if you take away the fact he is scoring a lot of goals from open play as well, even take all the goals away, it's his all-round play that's really impressive. But you don't you don't see that. And there'll be Hearts fans that will react in the same way players at other clubs that will maybe think they're just one thing or the other because they don't see them for full matches all the time. Um, so yeah, but it's tough because you'll never get to see a lot of every player every club because you can only watch so much football but i think yeah the hearts fans really do understand um his influence now mm-hmm. and i did as well still i it mean, wasn't like i said we should get rid of shanklin i'm gonna drop him forever but i did say we should play him that game i was wrong i'm glad i was wrong and i hope um it, i continue to be wrong about that initial shout when he continues to bang in goals anyway let's move on about talking about how wrong i was and let's talk about some other stuff you're listening to Scarves Down the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So following on from that fantastic win over Rosenborg in the Europa Conference League third qualifying round match at Tynecastle, it was back to domestic duties, but not league duty, as Hearts had a last 16 clash in the Viaplay Cup against Partick Thistle. Let's have a quick listen back to the goals from that one on Sunday. Curled in by Lowry, rolls, attacks, across the box and in. And it's an own goal in the end for Brian Graham. Kai rolls, attacked it well, headed it across the six-yard box, but it's a miscue from Graham. It's an unfortunate one for the Thistle number nine. And it's Hart and Midlothian one, Bartik Thistle nil. Corner from the left, curled in by Lowry, headed by Ophaya, debut goal! Odell Ophaya! Bullets on the header, in off the underside of the bar. And right on 45 minutes, Hearts double their advantage. Pass back, he's closed down by Shanklin and he's got away with it. Laurie Shanklin into the box. Shanklin 3 0! It's sloppy from Partick Thistle. And Lauren Shanklin makes them pay. Away from Williamson, good play. Now to Tagawa, into the box. Tagawa, left foot shot, it's number four! And it's a goal! For Kioske Tagawa, left-footed, drilled low into the back of the net, set up by Lowry, who's been the creator supreme this afternoon. And a bit of gloss on the scoreline 
for Hartman Lodian and a first in Maroon for Kioski Tagawa. And I'm sure that means we're going to hear a rendition <laughs> of the tequila song around Town Castle. Hearts 4, Partick Thistle 0. So a comfortable win for Hearts in the end. A very enjoyable Sunday at Town Castle. Let's take it back though to before the game and the team itself. And we expected plenty of changes after the exertions of the European game. Uh, a cup match. Um, I'm not always a fan of making a whole lot of changes for these League Cup games, but I think, uh, considering the circumstances and the, the games we'll have coming up, and and in that in that same sense as well, a lot of players who need game time, I think it made a lot of sense. Uh, six changes for Hearts: Atkinson, Kingsley, Oda, Devlin, Denham, and Boyce all dropping out. Uh, in came Alex Lowry, and also a debut for Odell Ofaya, a first start. For Kenneth Fargas, first start to the season for Toby Sibick and Barry Mackay, and a home debut for Callum Neuenhoff. Um, Hearts 4 2 3 1, Clarkin goes, Ophaya, Cochrane, the right and left backs, Kent and Rolls in the centre, Sibick and Neuenhoff sitting with Vargas, Lowry, Mackay supporting Lawrence Shankland up front. Mark, when you saw the team, um, uh, we've, we've we've fallen into this trap before last season we made some signings and we thought well, we've got a bit of depth but I think mm-hmm. what I was quite pleased about was we made six changes but I looked at that team and I didn't look at it as a team that I would say was particularly weak I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if at some point in the season we play that team in a, a game where we're not just making changes for a cup match yeah I think that's a good point I think Having made the six changes, we ended up with a side who I would be happy enough if it started in the Premiership. Clark, O'Fire, Kent, Rolls, Cochrane, Civic and Neuenhoff, Vargas, Lowry, Mackay and Shankland. Of course, you're going to make one or two tweaks. I thought Tago might get a start, but I was pleasantly surprised when the, the lineup was uh, was announced by Hearts. I think that's a pretty strong lineup, and that's with six changes, so... Yeah, this is this is where it gets difficult, and we'll speak about it, the three of us, and and the merits of the opposition and how they played because they were poor. But I don't think we allowed them to be good on Sunday. I thought our intensity and our pace and our tempo with the players selected was excellent. Um, we got the um the the wish was um of the wish of Scott McIntosh was came true. The make a wish. Um, on behalf of Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy. Toby Civic into midfield. What do you make of, of that? Are, are you a Scott McIntosh? Um, are you in his boat as well, Craig? Do you think this as uh, a role there for, for Toby in terms of playing that holding midfield role? Or is it just a bit of an experiment in a game that we were able to do that and it wouldn't be one that you'd want to see very often? I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think the middle of the park has probably become one um, that there is more questions and answers in terms of what that looks like for us going forward. So I'm. I'm not actually surprised that he he tweaked it and and threw Toby in there into that role. And I thought he did. I thought he did fine. To be fair, and I think I think the Toby Civic that we had, you know, uh, first time round when he appeared for a couple of games, obviously did a good job in that role. I think. Yep. I think one of the challenges, um, and I think uh, I think Scott and Mark might have discussed this after one of the European games. Um, the midfield two being slightly different, you know, being it's different roles now at, compared to the one that was in the the kind of the three 
the three four three, where that you had kind of ball playing uh, centre backs who would come out and play, and there was no expectation that the midfielders were much more about going and getting the ball. I think there's more expectation on the midfielders to play a bit now, and and that's probably been one of our challenges actually is that kind of change. Um, but I, I I don't think I'd be too surprised if if Toby found a, a home there for a bit of a time and in certain games if we could do something on Thursday night and you were taking something away to Greece, would you be stunned if Toby then played the middle of the park over there? No, not at all. I think it gives you something different. And he's obviously got a physical presence. And to be fair to him, he's had games at centre-back where you've thought he's played really well. There's maybe just been the odd moment where it's lapsed. And um, that's maybe slightly different playing middle of the park. So, um, I, I yeah, I wasn't surprised at, at him getting a chance to play in there. And also the fact that that was the, one of the areas that we did experiment with. I think the credit to the, the guys picking the team um, and the, the kind of team that we did pick was that we didn't give Thistle any encouragement with that team. So Shanklin did start. You know, if you're a Thistle player in the dressing room, I think if, if Shanklin doesn't play, you'd potentially get a bit of a lift. Um, Shanklin was playing. Your two centre-backs were playing. We didn't mm. change goalkeeper. Sometimes clubs can get that. You know, I feel like you get that wrong quite quickly if you go and make changes and suddenly the opposition think, oh, here we go. We've got a chance. Like They've, yeah. they've unsettled this. I think we made changes probably in the right or in areas that we could afford to make, you know, yeah. some tweaks. Um, and that that was that was key for me to be fair on on Sunday. I'm looking back, Laurie, at Toby Civic at Barnsley. Um, up until Daniel Stendhal got sacked, Daniel was playing him as a central midfielder. He played him there from the end of August 2019 through until the start of October, um, before he he eventually got fired by uh, by Barnsley. Daniel Stendhal. So. I think it's something, I mean, I, I do some commentary over here, home games for Hartford Athletic, and they've got a, a guy who came to the club as a defensive midfielder, a guy called Connor McGlynn, an Irish-American, who he kind of started off as a central midfielder, but then really made a name for himself at the back, and he's played most of his games as as a centre-back. He he was asked to play one game back as a, a defensive midfielder game, and, and looked totally lost, because... I don't know if it's muscle memory or what it is. It's the runs that you make as a centre-back compared to the runs and you have to track and make as a defensive midfielder. So I think with something like this, I mean, it's not like Toby's a, a fish out of water as far as a defensive midfielder or a centre midfielder is concerned. A run of games, and I'm sure he'd pick it up pretty quickly. I'm not sure, though. Um, I, I think if a, if a bid came in for Toby Civic and supposedly there's been interest in him, I th- I I think I don't know I don't know about you two but I'm not sure how hard I would be to deal with if a bid came in for Toby Civic, given the other players we've we've now got. I think I think Toby's the kind of the backup for centre back, the backup for right back, the backup for defensive midfielders, and I get that. Um, I get that you need some kind of strength in there, and you need good backups, and you can't suddenly go from quality starters to a lack of quality when you're bringing someone else in. But I think if we got a good offer for Toby Civic, I would be inclined to sell. What about you two? Um, uh, yes, I suppose everyone's got their price, but I guess it depends where the management would see him fitting in if he stays. I, I, I'm quite, I'm a fan of Toby Civic. I've said it before. I think he does have a lot of attributes that, um, that I think we can make the most of. I think suits our game and the Scottish game. You know, he's big, he's fast. Um, he's strong. This is, but this is where I think the dilemma is. I'm still, um, you know, when it comes to center backs, you know, 
clearly the management team are favouring Kent and Rolls as their um, partnership. And I think already Frankie Kent is pretty much showing that he deserves to be your first pick. And it was one of the big gaps from last season was having a dominant physical centre half, um, an old fashioned centre back, if you will. Uh, uh, you know, in my eyes, when I look at defenders in isolation, Sibica Rolls, Sibica Rolls, I'm not sure if I would lean towards Kai Rolls, but that's it. That's not me making the call. And as we know already, I'm not that great at making these calls anyway. Well, I think it was um, telling that Sibica, uh, that, um, that Rolls and Kent played against Partick. I mean, Craig was just talking about that. I, I, that's another game. Their, their relationship seems to have got, got better. You chuck in Craig Halkett when he comes back from injury and you're still playing a back four? I mean, yeah, I mean... then becomes fourth choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess ideally you always want two players for every position. So uh, if you can, four players to cover two centre-back roles. But if you've got four players who all expect to be regulars, and to be honest, Frankie Kent, Kai Rolls, Toby Sibick, Craig Halkett, you know, I don't know them well enough behind the scenes, but I would imagine none of them are going to be comfortable with just sitting on the bench most weeks and getting the odd sub appearance. They're going to want to be getting regular game time. You know, none of them are at the end of the career. None of them are right at the start of the career. They're all at that kind of peak time where they're going to want to get as much game time as possible. So there's also that element. Is Toby Sibbett going to be happy being a backup if it's injury suspensions or the odd sub appearance? So uh, there was a long winded way of me saying, Yes, but um, I still feel like, you know, if it depends what we're talking. I feel like if someone comes in with three, four hundred grand, I feel like we're, we we're, could be underselling an asset here, especially if, you know, with English clubs. He's already done it in, a, in the championship in England and, and by all accounts did okay when he was younger. Um, he's got that, you know, as I say, he's got the physical stature that often suits the English game in terms of he's 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 big and strong, but he is also fast. Um, so I, I'd be reluctant if if we got a big sell on, and maybe we're talking half a million plus. I think we'd have to think about it. But um, I, I think there's something there still for me. Um, we can't just talk about one player though. Um, another one to get onto because in the tenth minute, Hearts went in front in this game, and to be fair, they were. They kind of controlled the match um, from the off, and it didn't really dip an awful lot. And in the 10th minute, Alex Lowry curled a corner in. Um, Kai Rolls attacks it well, flicks it across the box, and Brian Graham, unfortunately, diverts it into his own goal. Um, I, unfortunate, but I also thought he could have done a little bit better with it for me, the, the part at captain. But goals coming from corners, and we'll get to the next one in a moment, but um, great, to have Alex, <laughs> great to have Alex Lowry around, and he's already one who, um, you know, he had a really good impact in the St Johnston game. Been a bit quieter after that. I know over in Norway kind of struggled to get into to that game, but I think what he showed in this game was, you know, there's a lot of talent there. And even just for delivery alone, that's something that I, I think we welcome because so often we've failed to even just get some good set plays into the box. Even with the goal for Tagawa. See his footwork. I think it's outstanding. Brilliant, yeah. Wasn't it just? And then he, he he still hasn't got the space, so he did another little trick. He was excellent. He was it was party. I'm not keeping going back to it was party simply because I think that disrespects our performance. I think a lot of teams would have struggled to play against Hearts when they played like that. I just thought there was there was great movement. We've asked a lot pre-season. Where's the pace coming from? And to be honest, with Shanklin leading the line, 
it's not on him because he doesn't have that pace. It's it's on others. It's to find a way. You're not going to get a ball over the top, but it was being it was about being patient, and and that that was that. I think getting the goals when we did um, really helped Hearts at the weekend. Um, so yeah, just before halftime, um, just after halftime, obviously for for goals two and three. But to get the to get the early goal, whether it was an OG, which it was, or or whoever scores the goal, it it, it just makes them go right. Okay, that that game plan that we're hoping that we're going to last longer than eleven minutes is out the window. I was very impressed by Hearts at the weekend. Alex Larry, I thought was exceptional. Kenneth Vargas again. It's going to take him a little bit of time, but I was I was pleased with with what he did and Barry Mackay working his way back to full fitness as well that's not a bad front four that's good that's good legs in and around Shanklin we might not have the option for the ball over the top but with Cochran coming down the left and Ophaya getting in as involved as he did I like that on Sunday yeah I would, I'd agree, I'd, yeah I'd agree with you Mark I was just going to say that um the I thought Mackay and Lowry showed signs of linking up really well I thought Vargas despite no having he he wasn't he wasn't you know an amazing performance in terms of getting you off your seat, but he showed signs of what I think he can bring, and I think that's that was encouraging. So for me, the those attacking players being an area that you could you could actually switch and 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 change it about, and there was options on the bench. I think that's probably one of the biggest things you'll take away for the weekend was we now have got, or it feels like we've now got players that you defenses wouldn't want to be up against, and I think I think you can put Lowry. Um, and Mackay together as, as part of that, but I thought Vargas was um, was good too. And and the delivery, yeah, scoring from set pieces has not been a has not been a moment, has it? I don't think there's been many of them. So um, that that was great, and there was a couple of balls into the box. It certainly, and he's done that. I think he said that a lot. He's put a couple of deliveries in, hasn't he? Where you've thought, yeah, yeah. maybe this is. And actually, to we, maybe we we look like we're attacking the ball a bit better as well. So 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 good on them, and, and hopefully a sign of things to come. At least, yeah, Laurie. One thing. At least, at least we had um, we didn't have everybody back for our our corners. <laughs> we were yes. we were delivering, not their corners. Imagine that. <laughs> they get the wrong message in the changing room. I need everybody back for our corners, Gaff. No, dickhead, for their corners. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, that would be a mishap. But no, I think you know, it's, it's a good point there, Craig. I, mean, I think that the, the word is. Um, Options, isn't it? But not, yeah. but not spelled the usual way. O p and uh, o p s h u n s options. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, one player I want to get on to to Craig and get your thoughts. Um, witnessing and making his heart's debut, and obviously the second goal that I've not gone into yet scored by this player, Odell Ofaya. Uh, signed on loan from Brighton, he watched the Rosenborg game and signed for Hearts shortly after. Why wouldn't you? After watching that <laughs> performance in the atmosphere at Tynecastle, slotted in it right back. It's probably the one position we really know that we absolutely had to get someone in. Whether you like Atkinson or don't like Atkinson, we basically had a single point of failure at right back. We had no natural cover there at all. Civic has slotted in, but I definitely don't think that's his role. Maybe holding mid, maybe centre back. Um, what did you make of our new man in his first game? I thought I, th- I thought he looked good. I thought he had. I, I sometimes think um, when you and you said earlier the, the two players for every position. I think one of the more encouraging bits for me is you've now got two players in a position that are different as well. So yeah. you know, I, I don't think I, I, you can you can be tricked sometimes into thinking that you need a like for like replacement, so to speak. I think it's actually important we don't have that. And 
I actually think Natty Atkinson has probably been one of our better players throughout. If you put all the games together in terms of who's who's performed really well, um, and to you know even at the end of last season, I thought Natty Atkinson was like a was was like a new player for a spell. Um, so I think he's done great, but I I I think um, I think uh, Big Odell looked like a guy who you know can move and can get and and look comfortable going forward. Um, but also, you know, no doubt brings a different kind of presence and a, and a, and a probably a defensive head that that I'm sure um, you know Natty doesn't quite bring, and uh, or, or we we know Natty doesn't quite bring, but he brings something else going forward. So I think again, even thinking about the two European games, you can immediately see how one might play in one and and one might play in another, um, and and I think that's a strength, and that's the same thing over the pitch, right? You want guys that can play. And some, you know, yes, that you're you're doing, or who's going to play it right back? But actually, can they bring something different, or could you change it mid game, or could you, change, you know, I think we've now got a squad that feels like you've got options that will do slightly different things, and it's not just the traditional taking a guy off and bringing someone on who is going to try and do the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the build up to the goal is quite nice because you have got both fullbacks involved. Both Ofaya and Cochran from the left hand side. Um, Lowry gets the ball across the box. Park this Omasha clear for the corner. It's then whipped in by Alex Lowry and a bullet header from Odell Ofaya in off the underside of the bar. Goalkeeper, no chance. Uh, and Mark, certainly he looks like a proper defender. Uh, he can play centre back as well as right back. If you've watched clips of him for playing for the Brighton reserves on the whole. He likes to get in a tackle, win the ball, and then kind of drive forward as well. And I thought he grew into the game in an attacking sense also. You know, he didn't maybe have that immediate um, instinct to to kind of become that sort of central attacking midfielder that but we often see that with Atkinson and Kingsley. Kingsley kind of sticks more to the left, Atkinson becomes central, and then when Cochrane's in, um Cochrane often tends to be the one of the one of the two fullbacks who becomes that central player. But I thought as the game went on, he kind of settled into being defensively good but also got forward really well and um yeah I think it's it, on the face of it you know and we are good to give the caveat the, the, the context it is Park Thistle they've only won got one point from the opening two championship games we will play better sides but um very promising signs I thought he was one of the most impressive players out there we're still talking to fire yeah yes he starts for me against Palk Matty Atkinson at Dundee of fire in the first leg against Pauk. They've got a really talented player. We've got a few talented players, but one of them is Zivkovic, who plays as their kind of wide left guy and their 4-2-3-1. I don't want him against Natty Atkinson defensively because I've got a funny feeling how this game's going to go. There'll be a high tempo from Hearts, but they are a good side. I wouldn't say they're a great side. I think they're a better team than Hearts. However, I don't want Natty Atkinson subjected to facing Zivkovic on his own. I think we need a better defender to do that if we are isolating Zivkovic against our right back. And I think the pace, the power of Ofaya would be that option. And yeah, I think it was a it wasn't a slow start. It was a kind of okay, what what we got here? He was looking at Hearts players and the game and and we were looking at him. Okay, what's he got? He's clearly got confidence. He's strong. He's quick. He can put a good tackle in. And I know it's a small sample size, but it, I mean, he's he's a defender. Right? He's played as a centre back. He he made he played in the FA Cup tie for Brighton. 
um, at right wing back, a position that Pascal Gross played for a while there in some games last season. So for me, he starts against Pauk ahead of Natty Atkinson, and I'm playing Atkinson on Sunday against Dundee. Fair enough. I, I, I completely understand, and I probably would go along with that. Okay. And Craig? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the thing that I think um, Hearts have done uh, under this management team is try and play the game on their terms, uh, and I, I therefore hesitate. But but I also understand exactly what you're saying. But um, I don't know. I think it's good to have the. I, I think again, I would say having the having different players with slightly different attributes that can can contribute means that the manager can do the thing that he um, that they spoke about after the game, which was. Uh, picking players at the right, uh, you know, different games will need different players, and I think that's, that, a good that's absolutely yep. true. Absolutely true, right? Yep, I think yep. so. No, I agree with that. Um, so two at half time to heart. Second half, um, started very strongly. Less than two minutes in, uh, closing good closing down from Shankland Park. This will play himself into bother. I, th- I thought they did this quite a few times. I think the good thing with Frankie Kent kind of pretty much nullified the option of Brian Graham in attack when they did try and hit him. I felt they still tried to play out too much. I didn't think either centre-back for Park Thistle looked like they particularly wanted the ball at their feet constantly, trying to play it from the back. And Hearts took advantage of it. Shankland closed down, won the ball, slotted at home, and that was really game over. Uh, and Hearts were very much still in control, as you would expect. Um, 60 minutes in, great moment for uh, Kioske Tagawa off mm. the bench and onto the score sheet as Craig mentions uh, oh no it's yourself Mark Mark mentioned great assist from Lowry in this one and what I really like about this not just the finish um, but when he gets a touch so he touches the ball to Lowry just inside the Park Thistle half but then he's on his bike he, he makes a great run and he knows exactly where he wants to go um, he sees a space in behind the Thistle kind of defence sort of over to the right side of their back line and he bombs into that, and he knows. He obviously knows already. Alex Lowry's got a bit of quality. He'll probably slip him in. So I, I liked how quickly he made that beeline into the space, and Alex Lowry played it through. And I just don't think the Park Thistle defence had time to kind of adjust to what was happening to try and get in there and, and stop that run. He made the, the, the finish look very simple, and um, I, I just like that great awareness, great movement. And I, th- I don't want to just compare him to Ginelli, but that's who we're obviously we're kind of trying to replace when we're playing someone up there. Um, but that's the kind of thing we're looking for with one of our pacey forwards, isn't it, Mark? Make those runs in behind. Use their pace to get the defenders turning and, and, and use it well. And I think he'll be a useful player and hopefully that goal gives him a lot of confidence. And obviously it means more renditions of tequila around Tynecastle <laughs> as well. I'll take that all day long if, if it means celebrating a goal. I think he's different from Ginelli. Um, I don't think he's got the same pace. I think he's quick, but Ginelli was rapid. Um, I think he's he's more of an all-round striker. As a finisher, that was a good finish. Don't know what the keeper was up to, but it was a good it finish. Was, it was quite close. It was quite close to the keeper, yeah. Okay, yeah. But goes a goal, and it'll do him the power of good. The last thing you want is like a Hans Eskelson where it takes forever to score, and then you can't get another one. Um, I suppose you could go back to Husrath Muzumic scored against Hibs and did fuck all else. So, <laughs> you, you, yeah, you don't know you don't know what you're going to get when you've got. I think having Oda at, at the club is going to be huge um, for for him to settle in. 
But he's, he's, I like the fact he's shown he's not frightened to to go away from his homeland, to go thousands of miles away. He went to Portugal. And it was a shit show. Not his performance or, or, or what he did. The club, just in general, was just a mess. So to have some solidity now and, and to have someone that he can speak his language with, um, he speaks a little bit of English, I believe, as well. So, yeah, good on him getting that early goal. And now, now it's about kicking on because he might, for the next few weeks, be a squad player. Because uh, once Boyce is back from, um, or fully fit from, from the injury he had, and, and I think getting an hour now, I think he's probably another couple of games away from managing 90. You've basically got Shanklin and Boyd, uh, and Boyce, sorry. So you've only got two other places in that front four. So it's going to be a battle. You've got Vargas and Mackay. Um, you've got Oda and you've got Tagawa. There's others in there too. Um, Alex Lowry, of course, probably more of a central guy. So there's, uh, it's going back to what Craig said about Stephen Naismith's comments. I really like the comments from Stephen at the weekend saying, no, this this isn't all right. If you win this game, then it's same again next next time out. I like that because it keeps players on their toes, and everybody knows that on any given day they've got an opportunity. Oh, this this game might work for me, and I'll work hard in training, and I'll do this or, or whatever. So I like I like the comments um, from Stephen Naismith, and, and I like the finish from Tagawa. Craig Hearts comfortably through into the hat for the next round. Celtic already out. Obviously, starts to maybe make things a little interesting for the other clubs. Um, Kilmarnock away, the draw for the quarterfinals. Is that the second hardest draw Hearts could have got at the moment? Uh, uh, yeah, near enough. I think near enough. I think, um, however, that said, I do, I do think, and I know that the pitch will be brought up and discussed forever more, especially if the old firm keep losing there when they go there. Um, however, Quarterfinal of of the League Cup, uh, playing Kilmarnock, uh, Celtic are out. You have to you have to accept it. You're going to have to beat. You're not going. You know. You're not necessarily going to have Hearts playing home ties against you know bottom six teams or Championship teams throughout. Um, so I don't think we can complain particularly. And and let's find a way to win on that pitch. Um, yeah. So it's better than going. Listen, if you got if you you were going to Ibrox. Potentially, you were going to, you know, you were going to Aberdeen, um, yeah. But the Kilmarnock pitch will be the thing that obviously, and to be fair to Kelly, like you, like like we know, they they are they are a better side, a much better side than they were. Um, I think Derek McInnes is, seems to have recruited quite well, and he's got a solid team. But um, the pitch is the bit that makes it the hardest tie, right? Um, or the second hardest tie, as yeah. you say. Um, but you know, quarterfinal league cup to get to get to a semi final. I think you have to accept that that's what you need to do if you want to win, if you want to win trophies or you want to be in the, the latter stages of competitions, right? I was thinking of the, the semi-final lineup: Kilmarnock, Ross County, Livingston and St Mirren. And via play who in the UK are going tits up will probably just say, <laughs> you know what, let's just put out. Let's, let's just do that. Hopefully those are not the four in the, the semi-finals. I think it's, it won't be those four. It won't be those four, you're right. You're right. It's 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 not it's not a great draw, but it's one of these. Uh, but it's not Celtic, and they're out, and it's it's a, it's an opportunity now, and we've got to learn from. I mean, Kelly have had a brilliant start to the season, absolutely brilliant, beating Rangers and Celtic in the cup and drawn at Tynecastle. But they're Kilmarnock, right? They're they're still they're they're a good side, 
But the three the three teams that have played against them, Hearts, Rangers, and Celtic, have made them look great for long spells. So yeah, I'd be I'd be disappointed if this was the the end of the road for Hearts and would be pretty optimistic of a, a semi-final berth. Based on what? Who knows? But we've just won back-to-back games. I'm not bringing negativity to the table today. Absolutely not. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, moving on from the action in the League Cup and uh, just taking things into a bit of a different direction with Craig being on the podcast. We've had you on before, Craig, you know, speaking about the great work that Big Hearts does. I know you've got an upcoming event that we'll get to, but what's the latest from Hearts Official Charity? Because I know a lot of Hearts fans are very invested in it. I know we have obviously Big Hearts Day, which is always very successful when it happens. Tyne Castle. Um, so what's what's the latest? Yeah, I mean we we um as you rightly say, Laurie, we you know, I think we've we've done over a number of years and, and certainly since um since the club has kind of re- recovered from the from the spell and admin and, and the return, we have you know, Big Hearts has, has been on a, a similar trajectory in terms of the, the, the club off the pitch and, and we've you know, we're now at a stage where we deliver um we're kind of I was kinda of reflecting on this a little bit today. You know, we deliver now somewhere between twelve and fourteen projects at any one time. We have on you know we had a, a staff away day earlier in the year and there was 20 of us there um we helped you know I, I was just looking at the the kind of quarter one numbers for the for the financial year and, and you know you're talking about us helping um over a, you know a thousand people in the month you're talking about feeding um thousands of people at lunchtime on a wet on a wednesday over the course of the last year um so yeah there, there's lots happening it's sometimes difficult to provide a kind of this has changed, but but what what continues is you know working with all different age ranges from kind of really young kids and and babies and their carers right the way through to today's memories group where you've got you know eight eighty odd year olds and ninety year olds in the shed um, doing a music quiz that's the loudest thing you've ever heard on that side of the stadium <laughs> um, disrupting all the staff next door um, oh that's but that's big hearts again so. Um, you know, loads happening, busy summer. Again, we do loads of work with young people who, um, you know, it's great for them during the, during the school holidays. You know, no everybody's got all the luxuries that, that some of us would take for granted. And if we can provide a wee bit of light for some of them in the, in the school holidays and otherwise, then then that's brilliant. So it's been a, it's been a really busy time. Um, and that, and that kind of continues. Um, and, you know, we're, we're really lucky. You know, we, it's, it's very easy for me to say, um, Big Hearts does a brilliant job, but but you know it, it's remiss of me not to say that we have amazing you know amazing staff, amazing volunteers, which comes from that you know fan-owned club fan base, one of the most engaged in terms of supporting their community, not just Big Hearts. You know, there, there's clearly other bits and pieces that that fans of Hearts do. The MND partnerships incredible. Um, you know, we've got loads to be really, really proud of in terms of what our football club does and and changing lives. And there would have been a time where, um, and and I even now saying it, I some, you sometimes don't quite feel worthy of saying, you know, you change people's lives for the better every single day. But I I, I think we genuinely do, and I think that's full mm-hmm. credit to those volunteers who put, you know, an incredible amount of uh, 
you know, time that, that is off their own back, you know, su- you know, befrienders that support young people every single week and do so for 12 months. Um, the, the, the guys that put, that help put on that memory session, um, and, and, you know, everybody that's kind of involved in delivering that, you know, the difference it makes is amazing. And, and actually the people who are part of it too, you know, those kids, those young people, you know, the resilience, the, the, no, everybody's dealt the same hand, as I say, that, that some of us would take for granted, you know, refugees that have found themselves in Edinburgh from all over and different parts of the world. And and we've got loads to be really proud of. And, and to be fair, I would also say this, this is a Hearts podcast. You know what, Scottish football, and, and we can knock it um, genuinely, and, and we would, you know, know this from our connections with other European clubs and the kind of more than football campaign. Our Scottish clubs do, you know, incredible stuff in the community. And that happens from... You know, at Tynecastle, at Easter Road, uh, at Ibrox, and at Celtic Park, but it also happens at all of those other grounds. You know, the 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 Montroses of this world, the Greenock Mortons, the the Bonnerig Roses. You know, Scottish football's got so much to be proud of, and um, you know, we're delighted to play our part in that. And certainly, Hearts can be really proud of what what we achieve, but also just generally what the Heart of Midlothian family does in terms of you know charity and community is incredible. One thing I've noticed about the Big Hearts website when you go into the About Us section and then the staff section a the number of people that are in there which is fantastic to see and that's just grown exponentially in the past few years if i remember correctly but also the little comments underneath the bios as well about how enjoyable working with big hearts seems to be so it's great when when you've got a workplace everyone wants to go to and it's it's diverse as well i mean a friend of mine george hutchinson is involved with the football memories um, Jordy's, he's, I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world, and he just loves the fact. I, mean, I don't know what age Jordy is. He's he's no spring chicken, but he's 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 brilliant, and and he's got this. He's got all the old programs yeah. and and everything. Um, and the the stories that you get, and and people who maybe struggle to to remember things of of late. But you ask them about Con Bald and Wardhoff from the 50s, their eyes will light up, and it takes them to somewhere where they remember the good times, Craig. Absolutely, and and George, yeah, I mean George is a brilliant example, Mark. What a character! He's uh, brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. He's still. <laughs> it's funny. George is a guy who has obviously been, he's been consistent throughout. He was kind of helping lead that memories group when I when I joined. Big, you know, basically when Big mm-hmm. Hearts had no staff yeah, almost actually. Exactly. Um, and in my former life working for the bank, um, George used to stow into Pennycook and. Um, yeah, he, he was kind of stunned one day when he was at Tynecastle, and there I was, and he's shouting, oh, there's, what's the banker doing here? And um, <laughs> aye, that's continued. I still, we would still laugh, a couple of us, um, lucky enough to have George. definitely what he said? Uh, yeah, along those lines. <laughs> along those lines, Rory. Um, Very good. He, lucky enough to have George that every so often a wee text message will pop up on my on my personal phone for George, and it's always... Um, it's always a good laugh, and he's always asking. You know, he's always good at challenging us and making sure he's too, we're doing right by him and the group and all the rest of it. But what a guy he is! He's uh, he's brilliant, and there's so many like him, Mark. That's mm-hmm. yep. that's the bit I would say. You know, we've got guys there who who genuinely come and give all their time, and and they're volunteering, they're giving their time back. But you know, it's also about them as well and how much they get from doing that and yep. uh, and being part of it. I, w- I was sharing that story with a visitor at Memories today, whose dad used to come. Um, he he loves abroad, so he wanted to see the memories group in action, and he was talking to people about his dad, and it was brilliant. And you know, his big takeaway, and one of the things we were chatting about was walking into the shed uh, on a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon. You don't really know who's a volunteer and who's a 
a, a participant in inverted commas. It's just a bunch of great people together having a pie, chatting about, you know, as you say, Willie Bald and chatting about the, the great times of the past. And um, and and, it, and it's brilliant. And it's one of those that, you know, you can't not be touched by. Um, and, and that's what football does, right? Football, Hearts does it, football does it. It just brings people together in a way that, you know, there's, 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 you know, nothing else can quite can quite match it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's brilliant, and I think you know it's not just big hearts, as you say. I think it's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful development in, in recent years. I think the these football charities have grown to be so popular. And I think it is a brilliant vehicle for something like that. You know, a, a football club because it is a community associated with it. And what I love about what Big Hearts does, um, is it is linked to to hearts and to football like the memories when you say is you know it's fantastic and there's lots of other similar groups with other clubs that do this which is obviously helping um you know people who either maybe are suffering from things that affects their memory and football is a great way to stimulate that or certainly older older people as well who maybe it's it's to get that connection side of things isn't it it's not as easy when you get to a certain age especially these days a lot of us take you know, you know zoom and and whatsapp and catching up that way for granted but i think a lot of yeah. older people miss that and um, that interaction that and especially of some covid you didn't get as much of that in the pub etc but it's linked to to hearts to football and to the area you know helping young children in Certainly, the surrounding area, you know, you know, unfortunately, Gorgie in that area, there's there's a, a lot of kind of poverty and there's a lot of problems there that people have to to go through, and I think that's why it's great. People can relate to that, and you know, you know, all charities are brilliant and have their place, but I think this one is very special. I think that's why there's so many people get involved. It's not just about donating, like you say, it's about giving your time. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's brilliant to see how how much hearts, um, big hearts are growing alongside the club. I wanted to ask you as well, Craig, about the gala in particular, because I've seen that obviously all over social media. We've seen it on the big screens at Tynecastle. You've got some very interesting guests coming up. I won't steal your thunder. So if anyone doesn't know, so we we know about Big Hearts, the charity associated with Hearts. We've got the gala coming up. So what is it and who's coming along? Yeah, so it's, it's an annual, it's kind of our flagship Fundraiser. You mentioned Big Hearts Day earlier, Laurie. That's another key point in the year. Um, one of the things that allows us to do what we do is that support from individuals and, and kind of businesses linked to the football club that are able to donate to us and give us money that allows us to go and react really quickly. So I was I would just briefly to provide some context. The the warm welcome lunch that we do on a Wednesday was a cost of living crisis. Um, thanks to the generosity of some people and and the fact that we do things like Big Hearts Day, we're able to flick the switch really quickly. So we're able to say, you know what? We reckon people are finding it really tough. Older people in particular are struggling. We know that, you know, school-age kids, it's no easy. Let's put some lunch on at Time Castle. Let's make it free. Let's, let's, let's make it a place that's, that, that is, you know, a, a very warm welcome for everybody who's there. So we're able to do that, flick the switch really quickly. We're able to do that because the... The fundraising allows us to do that. And the funds, you know, everybody, everybody's vital funds allows us to do that. And the likes of Big Hearts Day plays a massive part in that. The gala is, is you know, in our view, is kind of growing to become that. You know, it's no easy to switch a fundraiser from zero to suddenly becoming someone that, that raises a lot of money that allows you to start a new project or, or pay for a pay for a, a young people support officer or something like that. It's no easy just to say, right, we're going to raise 20 grand over there tomorrow and that'll be great. So the gala's becoming our one of our flagship fundraisers. Um, we've this will be the third one. The the first one was before COVID 
the the second one was last year after the COVID spell, um, and and since the beginning, you know, the first one we we had Pasquale Bruno back as our kind of uh, flagship guest. Um, you know, actually, can he stay away from Tynecastle since coming back? Then Pasquale <laughs> seems to be there um, as often as anyone. Um, last year, uh, Roman Bednar, um, Davidas Chesnauskas was there last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, guys that you know you don't traditionally get to see at Tynecastle very often. And um, and bring them back, mix it up with you know a bit of football, a bit of charity, some of the stories and people behind our projects. Which you know, even the guys who come to see the former players will tell you one of the best bits of the night is hearing from you know the, the couple last year that were on the stage talking about the the gentleman, you know, the struggles with dementia that he had, and even him taking the courage to be up there and share his story. Um, the the befriender who was sharing her her insight into the the young person that she was working with. It leaves you, you know, feeling really inspired about the work that you're helping by being in the room. Um, and this year, yeah, we're delighted. We've got, um, I mean, it's pretty Hibs theme to be fair. Uh, Darren Barr, so he scored that the first goal in the in the <laughs> Scottish Cup final. Um, Paul Hartley, who um, obviously, you know, famous hat trick against Hibs. And then we thought we better go one better than that. And um, and and Mark De Vries, who obviously got four on his on his Tynecastle debut. So. Um, you know, three brilliant guests. Um, we hope to add to that in the coming days, um, and and have even more of those kind of guys in attendance and and support from right across the Hearts family. So you know, the 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 current squad uh, chipping in and doing their bit, like Benny and Boise did last year, uh, Craig Gordon did last year, uh, the women's team involved, um, some of the key people at the club. You know, we want it to be the kind of this is one of the big moments in terms of. Arts charity and 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 making an impact and almost that flagship being able to share our stories and obviously being able to raise a few quid that allows us to go and do things like the warm welcome lunch that you know we needed to do really quickly and react with and that that started in December with the intention of happening for a couple of months and um, didn't even feature in our budget from April onwards and and yet it's still being delivered now in August because we know the impact it's having on those people who are coming to Tencastle every week and have made friends and and get a, a really hearty meal on a Wednesday. So it's those kind of things that that this helps with. And um yeah, it'll be it'll be hopefully be a fantastic night and one that, you know, there's still there's still some spaces available. So we're we're open to people jumping on our website and um and taking part and 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 joining us on the night um for Big Hearts Gala. Yeah, I was there I was there last year. It was it was very enjoyable. It was it was great to hear from Chesnauskas and, and Bednar. I thought they were in good form and um it's good to players like that who you maybe you don't hear from all the time. I think the same will be for this, especially Mark DeVries. He's obviously been on the podcast before, but um given he's over in the Netherlands and how he works and coaches over there, he's a player that you you don't see often at events like this. I guess simply from logistics. So I think it's really good that you've actually managed to get him over. Uh, Mark, I know um you know you know Big DeVrizy pretty well. You go back yeah. um back to those days and I think he'll be a, a very entertaining guest to have. He's just a lovely guy and if you haven't or heard his appearance on the podcast it's I'm sure Laurie would be able to to tell you which episode it was, but he's he's, he's not changed. Curiously typing here to try. <laughs> yes, <so. laughs> I'm sure you are. He he was actually quite shy when he first came over um, and kind of asked not to do press wherever possible because he has a stutter, um, and it was it was a kind of stutter that came out when he was nervous, but he felt so at home um, 
at heart and the way that he was treated and, and how he felt and how much he enjoyed himself, it was very rare that he would he would stutter during an interview um, just because he felt confident and comfortable among people. But he's just such he's such a nice lad, Mark de Vries, and, and obviously frustrated that... Um, that he didn't get the that's still something that annoys him. He didn't get the bottle of champagne for uh, for those four goals from from Sandy Clark, and um, I don't think Jean Louis Valois ever did give it up um, to Big De Vries because obviously the I think goals goals three and four were pretty late on, and the man of the match had already been announced. So just a super guy and so friendly as well, and just a gentle giant, and uh, just sad I can't be there because um, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see him in person again. It's been it's been too many years, but yeah, he'll always be welcomed back in Gorky. Yes, I think he was um, full of full of great stories, and hopefully we'll get a few um, a few more of those. So, if if you do want to go to the gala, Craig, how how do they go about it? Still spots, as you mentioned. I know there's plenty of people attending just via the website. Is it? Yeah, we, yeah, you can you can buy direct for the website. There's also details there if you want to give us a shout and and ask any questions or tailor the kind of the, the kind of package you're looking for. But um, yeah, it's a great night. It'll be it'll be brilliant. There is spaces. Um, I had said to you, Laurie, we are we have more people uh, in the room now than we had at last year's gala. So it'll be the biggest big hearts gala so far. Um, and you know we are well on the way to 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 smashing any records with that. So it'll be fantastic. We're delighted with that. Um, anybody else that wants to join in, please give us a shout and let us know. We'd we'd love to have you with us, and um, hopefully a special night. And as you say, Mark, I, I had the pleasure of chatting to Mark Devries uh, on the phone, and and yeah, I'm I'm always struck, and I would say the exact same about um, Big Roman last year. How much the guys, you know, it, it's you feel like you're almost um, the maroon tinted glasses are out, but these guys just the amount how much they appreciated their time at Tyne Castle and almost realizing it over time about how great it was and, and looking back it's um it's fantastic and it's brilliant for the football club that we've got so many guys like them who are really you know that determined to come back and actually um you know um and, and really keen to be part of it so delighted to play a wee part in that and i'm sure it'll be a great night and as i say it, it suits and it fits with that with a wider aim of ours to to do even more and to keep supporting the 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 people who who live in in, in Edinburgh and and Southwest Edinburgh in particular and 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 also a wee bit wider. So um, yes, that's that's the way to do it, and we'd love you to be involved. Yep. If you want to get yourself along, uh, you can go to the website bighearts.org.uk. You can get them on Twitter at bighearts. Uh, we'll also post over the next day or two uh, some more info on our twitter feed as well about the gala and how you can get involved and in terms of mark de Vries, it was our 100th episode it was our special 100th episode oh. and it was titled pre-match beers and late night barbecues <laughs> so that's that shows you what kind of um entertaining chat you'll get from mark de Vries and hopefully a bit more of that uh, come to the big hearts gala as well You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, before we go, we do need to chat about a certain game coming up at Tynecastle on Thursday night. The games come thick and fast at this time of the year if you're going to be in Europe, and that's where we want to be. So we we welcome the challenge, and it's well, a bit of a challenge, I think. It'll be a big challenge, but hopefully one that 
the players and fans are relishing. Pauk of Greece, the three-time Greek champions from Thessaloniki in town for the first leg of the Europa Conference League playoff. Finished fourth in the Greek Super League last season, but that was their lowest finish for six years. Previous five seasons, they'd finished second four times and won the title in 2019. That was their first since the 1980s, and they progressed fairly comfortably past Hajduk split of Croatia in the last round. Mark, I know you've seen a little bit of them. Um, Mm -hmm. What can we expect from Pauk come Thursday? We can expect a side that are much better going forward with a very pacey um, attack. It's usually a 4-2-3-1 that's selected, but defensively can be got at. I posted a, a link to the highlights of the Hajduk split game. How Hajduk split didn't score, I do not know. Yes, after a, a draw in the first leg, it was it was pretty cagey. But it was it was the team from uh, from Split that had the the early opportunities. That was their first league game against Asteras Tripolis on Sunday. I think it was at the weekend, certainly, and they won it comfortably by three goals to nil. It's not like oh they've only played one game. They've they've not. They had a weird game against Betar Jerusalem or a weird tie. Um, and they also kind of had a, a bit of a weird uh, game against Hajduk Split, where it was a very cagey first leg away from home before they got the job done. That's more of the first leg that I would expect. I, I think it'd be very different if the if the first and second leg were uh, the the venues were changed. So uh, they would be happy with a draw in Edinburgh because they would feel pretty comfortable, like they did in, in Split, of of getting the job done there, which. Would I take a draw right now? A draw is probably a good result. Certainly the bookies have got them um, as a slight favourites. But we have a chance. We've, we've got a chance in this one. I think we need to take a lead over there. Um, I'd, yeah. I know the away goal doesn't count, but I'd be I'd be very pessimistic if um, if we didn't go over there with, with a lead. But stranger things have happened, uh, of course. I mean, I remember against Braga, going over there, commentating on, on De Vries' his two goals. We were not favourites in, in that game, but we managed it. We, we won in Bordeaux. We won in uh, Robbie Nielsen's goal in, in Basel. So we've got that monkey off our back for that special night at Tynecastle. Now it's time for a tie that has a, a special away leg as well. But to do that and to have that decent chance of having a special night in Thessaloniki, I think we 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 need to really take a lead over there. They've got too much talent otherwise, I, I suggest. It's one of these games where I would say, you know, Rosenborg, despite their um their name and the fact that they are an experienced European club, I think based on recent history and their current team, I think that was a 50-50. I think Rosenborg and Hearts were fairly evenly matched in terms of where the clubs are. Maybe even edged towards Hearts, but um, it wasn't a game where I felt like, you know, this will be a really massive achievement if we get past them. This is going to be a tough one. And looking back in recent time, you know, this is the the Rosenborg game was the first time uh, since Slavia Prague in the early 90s. Only the third time the Hearts have been trailing in a, a two-legged knockout European tie and they've actually managed to go through trailing on from the first leg. So for me, looking back, in terms of a meaningful game in Europe, in terms of us being able to beat a team that are bigger and better than us, not just a, a, 
a second leg that didn't mean anything because we still went out. Um, maybe talking the Basel game because obviously it did still mean something at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Craig, where would this rank? You know, for you looking at this because this is we know Pauk didn't have the best of seasons last season, but you know they were in the quarterfinals of this competition just a couple of years ago. Um, they've got about double the budget of Hearts. Um, if you look at the kind of um, the money they have in terms of their uh, coefficient rating, they're kind of similar level to sort of Celtic when it comes to coefficient. Um, if Hearts were to get through this tie, where would that rank for you? Yeah, I think it'd be right up there. I think I think the the ones you rattled off, Mark. I think I think Braga had um, because we actually went and did it in Braga, and the result meant something. And I remember, you know. Bordeaux was an unbelievable result away from home first, but, yeah, but we, we, we then we yeah. then did they do it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas, yep. like you say, in terms of um, going and, and doing something at Tynecastle that gives you a right chance to put in what will still need to be a, a huge performance over there. Um, I think it's been in the tie, and I think it is. If you could take a lead, the the no away goals now it, it almost plays tricks with your mind. I think a little mm-hmm. in terms of because we're, we're so used to worrying mm-hmm. about conceding. Um, I mean, the Rosenberg game kind of proved it the other night. The, the conceding of the goal didn't actually matter. Like, no, it was. It, it was that wasn't. A, and, and years gone by, you'd have said, "Oh well, that was that." Then you know they've got an, an away goal, and you're up against it. It does change the tie around. You're still in it. If we can take a win and a result to Greece, that would be huge. And I think it would be one of the. It would be an incredible achievement for us to get to the group stages. I would never have believed that it was really possible before we went into the, the previous round. Um, obviously, you didn't know the draws at that stage, but I, I I thought it was a massive stretch to think you'd have a chance to get into the groups. And I still think we're up against it. But do I think we've got a chance? I, I do. I think the one thing I would say um, for me is we need to find a way to press a bit better. I think even in even at Tynecastle, Rosenberg at moments seemed to be able to play through us. So we were, we were good at at times at attacking and, and feeling like we were trying to set the pace and set the, but there was moments where and Rosenberg seemed to be able to get through us, particularly in that second half. And our pressing was a bit disjointed. I think yeah. if you do that against a Greek team uh, like Pauk, I think you might get picked off and you'll regret the fact that, well, he was out of position and didn't press right or Shanklin pressed on his own and they were able to immediately get themselves up the park. There was a few moments like that. I think the good thing is the minutes and the legs and all the rest of it has got us at a stage where there's a chance that we might be the fitter outfit or we've played the most games and that gives you a different strength. But we, we certainly are going to have to be really disciplined in terms of our pressing. And if we get that right and attack well, I think we've got a chance of getting a result. And um, yeah, it would be a huge, it would be an unbelievable achievement for us to now get to the group stage um, if we could if we could squeeze past Pauk. They're beatable, Laurie. They, they are beatable. Going into this tie, um, Hibs, it's all about glamour. It's it's all about making money and doing their best, but they're going out. Yeah, Villa's, yeah. Villa's one of the favourites for the tournament. We could have had a much harder draw than Rosenberg that we wouldn't have been in this position. We didn't get that. We got fortunate with the draw. We still had to produce one heck of a performance and uh, over two legs to get through. Obviously, that vital goal from from the player that you wouldn't have started in the second leg and the first leg um, was was crucial. But it's it's not the worst draw by any stretch of the imagination. Could it have been better? It could have been slightly better. 
when the the kind of the the group of five possible opponents was was made before the actual draw. But yeah, considering who we could have had, I'm all right with Park. Um, we're going to have to be pretty close to our best to have a chance. It's just Craig's right about the the whole away goals playing playing tricks on yourself. I don't think that they will have that much intention of coming over here and being gung ho. The game against Betar Jerusalem, the tie there, that was their, I believe, their first uh, their first game of the season. They'd played a few friendlies, but that was their first competitive game, and it was at home. And they drew nil-nil. Now, they're a much better side, and they went to Israel, and they thumped them 4-1. But I, I, it'll be no surprise when I give you my prediction that I think it'll be the same as Hajduk split Palk in the first leg in the previous round for the Greeks. Yeah, I mean, looking at them, I think the guy you highlighted, um, uh, Andrea Zivkovic, who's got four goals in his last two games, seems to be um, the main threat. I noticed their German, Khalid Neri, uh, had more assists than anyone else in the He's very last quick, season. Very quick. Yeah, it looks like he'll be a quick player, kind of play off the right as well. So I think we'll have to watch them in behind our fullbacks. Um but it's interesting what you say. So what are you going for in this game, Mark, then, in terms of a, a score prediction and a goal scorer? Goalless. No, no. Okay. If I offered both of you that result now, as much as we've said I'd love to take a lead, <laughs> and I know there's no goals, if I said, okay, Laurie, Craig, um, don't have to, well, I say you don't have to play the first game, but if you were told that the first game is going to end nil-nil, would you stick or twist? Yeah. It's tough because, uh, like you say, I, I feel like to have any chance, we need to make the most of our home advantage and try and get a lead. Because yeah. even if we win, if we win this by a goal, I'm still going. My my my. If I had to make a prediction for the second, like I still say we're going out. If we win it by two goals, I think we're in with a chance. But I'd still say they're going to come at us, and I'd probably still take it going to extra time in the second leg. <laughs> um, we certainly can't lose. We 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 cannot go over there having to chase the game. Um, I think. No. Um, I, I think I would probably still twist. In all honesty, I think a draw would actually be a good result given the. I think it would the, be, yeah. Given how good they are, but I'm still looking at this from. I want to. Uh, how how do we get through this? And I think, for me, our only chance of getting through, is making the most of that home advantage and trying to get a win and then they really have to come at us and and what that could offer us over there is we can sit in and maybe try and get them on the break um again if i had to make a prediction of these two legs i would expect us to comfortably go out unfortunately so i'm going to twist though i'm going to say i think we have to try and win the home leg okay we need to look at it how do we get through this and i feel that our only realistic chance is we we can get a win at home and we have something to defend when we go over there mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Greg? I, yeah. Don't know. I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'm desperate for us to be in the tie and I'm with a chance. I think the that that's the battle, isn't it? Trying to trying to go and impose yourself at Tynecastle. I think what you said, Mark, about them not, you know, in their previous ties perhaps showing, um, or certainly the Hadjik game away uh, from home where they decided not to, you know, they were quite happy um, if they come and do that at Tynecastle. Um, the challenge for us is trying to break them down while no getting caught the other way on the break from our team that's clearly going to be better than, than Rosenberg were going forward. But 
Um, being the tie, so would I take the nil? No, I, I would probably edge towards saying yes. But I, I also understand what you're saying, Laurie. And and the, the no away goals thing does leave you with if we could just win two one, that would be a brilliant, that would be an, a, a brilliant result, and it would give you a real chance of going there um, and 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 actually having a chance of progressing. So um, can we do that? I think I think I think we can. I, I think we can if. Um, the guys are at it. And as I say, the, the concern would be just the balance between trying to attack while also trying to make sure you're secure. And that midfield area, I think, is the one that I would come back to and question how we set ourselves up in there. That's really interesting um, because Devlin and Denham um, were, did, a, did a really good job for us the other night. Um, would that, will that be suffice against against Pauk? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, we should always um, have the asterisks beside these kind of games when we've not, when you've not seen two teams come up against each other from different countries and never met. Uh, it can be very hard to maybe judge the the um, the difference in quality. And I think before Hearts head over to what is sometimes called the Black Hell, La Tumba. Uh, yes. Uh, any notion of. Um, a team from Greece being intimidated by Tyne Castle um, <laughs> has to go out the window if you ever see any clips of Greek matches. And yeah, the Tumba Stadium oh. over in Thessaloniki um, is sometimes called the Black Hell. And if you just type in Pauk fans into YouTube, you'll get some videos of some quite incredible um, and often terrifying clips of what goes on there. So yeah, I, I don't want to go over there having to um, chase the game, shall we say. By, so, the, by the way, the, the one thing to, to type into YouTube, and be careful it's not a work computer in case the computer okay. picks it up wrongly, is PAOK Fire Ring. Yeah, in that in, order. In that <laughs> order. Careful. Um, it's Olympiakos, PAOK against Olympiakos. It's a Greek Cup semi-final when the teams came out nine years ago. It looks like the whole stadium is on fire. But it was a choreographed mm. routine yeah, that just incredible. lit the play. It is unbelievable. It was the Welcome to Hell Stadium of Tumba Flames in the Greek Cup nine years ago. Have a watch at that and tell me if you think going over there with a nil-nil <laughs> draw would be enough. <laughs> Craig, <laughs> bit... um... <laughs> Sorry, Laurie. No, I was I was just going to see what Craig thinks. Obviously, Mark's got nil-nil, so not even a goal scorer prediction. He's managed to bypass that. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are you fancying for Thursday night? I'm gonna go two one because I'm being positive right. and we'll go we'll go Liam Boy to score. Nice. There you go. There we go. Okay. You? I'm gonna go different. Uh, the way you've six nil. The way you've spoken it's kind of going against what I'm about to predict here, but I'll just stick with it anyway. Uh, I'm gonna go with a draw, but I'm gonna go two two. Um oh. and I, I get that it could go the way you're saying. I'm hoping we we do start very well. We, we do get at them and we get a goal. And I think that maybe will draw them out a bit more. I think they would be happy with a nil-nil, but we'll get a goal. That'll draw them out. Maybe even see them go 2-1 ahead. But we'll we'll keep it alive with a goal. I know I'm saying that. I don't know if that'll be enough. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit tempered by my um, prediction. So I'm going to go 2-2. And I have to say, Shanklin to score, don't I? I mean, I can't not say that this week after last time. He starts on the bench. Um, <laughs> yeah, this time he'll be on the bench, won't he? You know? uh, so like, let's hope. I'll take any of the, to be fair, I'll take any of those three score lines. Just, just be in the time. I do hope that we somehow manage to get a victory that 
gives us a decent chance of maybe progressing because I think it would be a huge achievement for Hearts to to reach the group stage um, after negotiating Rosenborg and Pauk if they were to do it. But a big ask. But as Mark says, it's possible. Um, we will but, be back. But, but, sorry, Laurie, by the way, transfer well, well, yes, market yes, that, we, yes. that we've mentioned before, I said it was pretty close um, between Hearts and Rosenberg. Hearts on Transfer Market have got transfermarket.com had a total market value of their squad of just over 15 million euros. Rosenberg was just over 19 million euros. Putting that into context, Pauk's squad is valued by Transfer Market at 47.8 million. So there's a, a size of the task ahead. But it's not Aston Villa. So there's a yeah. chance. Yeah, but yeah. transfer market still says that Ryan McGowan's worth 350,000. Can't, can't trust that. <laughs> That's why we yeah. can only afford to pay him for a handful of appearances every time. 34 now. I mean, he's, he's like 350 no. grand. <laughs> can't be happy though, isn't he? Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us, Craig. It's been a pleasure. No bother. No, thank you, guys. On. Appreciate that. Hopefully it's a, a big game and a big atmosphere on Thursday and a big result for Hearts and hopefully everything with big hearts continues to grow and develop and um, and do great things around the Gorgie area. Uh, we'll be back next week. You can get in touch in the meantime if you want to criticise any of our ridiculous and terrible calls. Hopefully there weren't any two terrible ones this week. You can email us podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet at Around the Funnel. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.